In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. A major element in our ministry is teaching. We are actually entrusted to teach. Sunday school servant is a teacher actually. And what we teach, we teach actually the Word of God. That's why if a person doesn't know math, he cannot teach math. If a person doesn't know science, he should not teach science. In the same way, we as servants, we should know the Word of God. If you paid attention today in the ordination of the readers, because according to the canons of the church, the reader not only should read, but read and explain and interpret. So at the end in the catechesis, the bishop tells them, it is necessary for you, and what applies to the leaders apply to all of us. It is necessary for you to learn each one of the readings of the Holy Scriptures, the praise of God, which have been entrusted to you to instruct the people thereby. If you are entrusted to teach, then you need to study and to learn each one of the books of the Holy Scripture. For this is a great work. The one who is assigned to it must be like a lamp shining on the lampstand. What does it mean, a lamp shining on the lampstand? Not only just the ability to teach, but also by applying this word in your life, you will reflect the light of Christ. You will be light of the world. So you need to be like a lamp shining on the lampstand, lest you fill the ears of those who hear you with what you read, but yourself be rejected. What would happen if I am filling their ears with Sunday school lessons, teaching them, but I am not living this life? What will happen? I will be rejected. I will be disqualified. Instead, remember at all times the word of the Lord which is said, let him who reads understand. If you're going to read and teach, you need to understand what you are teaching. So that you, through your good progress and your advancement in this rank, your words might therefore be seen, etc. The church actually instructed the readers to read one by one from the books of the scripture, to study them, to apply them in their life, to be like lamp shining on the lamp stand before they teach others. The Lord Jesus Christ also going from one place to another place teaching. Teaching was a very important element in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the peak of his teaching is the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. St. Paul also wrote the 14 letters which are teaching. These letters are just teaching. He used to instruct his disciples 
about the importance of teaching. For example, one of his disciples is St. Timothy. And Timothy became the bishop of Ephesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What does it mean dividing the word of truth? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Many fathers said it is like the tailor with a piece of, uh, of cloth and then actually he divided and make a perfect suit for you or a perfect dress for you, suitable for you. In the same way I have the word of truth. So how actually I divide it and give you application in order to fit you, to fit your needs, your spiritual needs, so you will grow according to the word of God. That is the meaning of rightly dividing the word of truth. In RSV, uh, Revised Standard Version, rightly handling the word of truth. And that is the version that we use it in the Divine Liturgy. Handling. It's the same meaning, how to handle it in order to fit the needs of the listener. Another disciple of St. Paul is St. Titus, the Bishop of Crete. He told him the same meaning in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Proper for sound doctrine. Nowadays, actually, there are many challenges to the teaching. The, the most dangerous are the challenges that are coming from within the church. These challenges are more destructive than the challenges that come from outside the church. And one of the scary things, actually, what St. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, in his farewell speech to the clergy of Ephesus. He told them, Act 20, verse 30, he told them, also from among you, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. In verse 29, he spoke about the wolves that come from outside. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. These are from outside. Then he told, but from among you, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Nowadays, many people actually are, for example, Protestant in their faith, in their beliefs. But when they come to the Orthodox Church, they don't address the issues like sacraments or intercession of sins. They just speak about 
virtues, about spirituality, but they don't address as if the sacraments are not important for spirituality. I can be a saint and I can acquire all these virtues without the sacraments. That is deception because you cannot say to them, you said something wrong. But when they don't mention sacraments, then actually they are saying something wrong because they are not saying the truth. As what St. Paul said to Titus, and the verse just I read it to you in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1, he told him, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Proper for sound doctrine. Many people are charismatic in their preaching and people like to listen to them, but they don't tell you the sound doctrine. What do you need for your salvation? That's one group. The other group actually start to develop the new theology of the Eastern Orthodox churches. And the new theology of the Eastern Orthodox Church, why I'm calling it's new, they try to respond to the atheist. And instead of responding to the atheist by explaining the word of truth, as Saint Athanasius did when he sent letters to the pagans, when he responded to the people during his time and he wrote the incarnation of the Logos, no, they tried to twist the truth as a trial to convince them. For example, the atheists say, how a loving and merciful God sent people to fire for eternal life. So to respond to this, they say there is no punishment at all. And when you listen to them, they are against punishment, completely. Even they say, the Lord, when he died on the cross, he did not die for the penalty of death. In salvation, there are two elements, two important elements. The legal element and the therapeutic element. The therapeutic element, he came to heal our nature, to restore us to the incorruption, because God created man in incorruption. So now the Eastern focus only on the therapeutic and they deny completely the legal. They will tell you there is nothing called Jesus died to pay the penalty of death or as a ransom. The word ransom actually, uh, although it's mentioned in the New Testament twice, one of them St. Paul mentioned to Timothy and the other the Lord Jesus Christ said about himself. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer himself as a ransom. It's very clear. They, they tried to interpret these verses with new interpretation, different from the early church fathers. And the problem, some servants and some clergy from the Coptic Orthodox Church started to adopt this theology as the orthodox theology. And when you tell them, but that's not right. The fathers did not teach us this. Saint Athanasius did not teach this. Saint Cyril did not teach this. They accuse us that, and accuse the church, 
that we are ignorant and we did not read the fathers and we don't know what the father says here they are twisting the teaching in order actually to just please the atheist or try to reach a common ground with the atheist so I want just to warn you from these two styles the Protestant style that does not speak at all about sacraments, about intercession of sins any orthodox belief you will never hear it from them that's a Protestant and the other group who don't actually address at all we call them the new patristic or the new theologians those who are using a new theology it's a new it is not the theology that we learned it from St. Athanasius and St. Syria of Alexandria and they ignore completely the legal aspect of the economy of salvation and, and that's why by the way I want you to study in your servants uh, meeting here is a book written by Amber Rafael, The Economy of Salvation this book is written Arabic and translated to English it's one of the best books explain the theology of salvation in response to all these new theologians and uh, he supported everything by many quotes from early church fathers especially Saint Athanasius and Saint Cyril of Alexandria I see this book is very very important I hope that every uh, church study this book in their servants meeting I like quickly to address 12 different type of twisted teaching teaching that not according to the sound doctrine so I'll address quickly 12 different times the first time we read it in Isaiah 5.25 and each type actually I will support it with a verse from the scripture Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter and I think nowadays this verse can be applied very easily people for example who are saying homosexuality is not a sin it is alternative lifestyle that is saying about the evil good and when you say this is wrong it is sin they will tell you you don't have love in your heart you are not tolerant you are not accepting others that is saying to the good evil and many things actually about transgenderism and differentiation between gender and sex and it is your freedom to choose your gender all these things actually are corruption in our society and we need to defend the truth we need to be witnesses for the truth let me tell you in advance there will be a time when you must defend the truth and there will be a cost for defending the truth maybe you will lose your job you will be persecuted this time is coming are we willing? are we ready for this time? 
or not. Or we are going actually to try to twist our faith in order to avoid persecution. Our fathers and grandfathers were killed to defend the truth. Are we willing to be persecuted in order to say to the evil it is evil and to the darkness it is darkness? It's our responsibility as Sunday school teachers and also as parents for those who have children. It's our responsibility to teach them the truth. To say about the evil, it's evil. And about the good, it is good. To say about the darkness, it is darkness. And about the light, it is light. Second type, we read it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, what's itching ears? Itching ears can be applied either on the speaker or on the listeners. On the listeners, itching ears, when you have itching, this means you have allergy. So itching ears means they have allergy. But allergy to what? To the sound doctrine. They cannot endure sound doctrine. So when you have allergy, you turn yourself away from this material because it causes itching. So they will turn their ears away from the truth because it caused allergy to them and they be turned aside to feebles. But also itching ears can be applied to the teachers themselves. Itching ears means they need somebody to praise them, to commend them. I don't care whether I'm delivering the word of truth or not. What I care to please you. That's the itching ear here. These people will choose teachers wanted to be pleased. Why wanted to be pleased? If I want to be pleased, then I will tell you what you want to hear in order to please me. Whether what you want to hear is right or wrong, the truth or not, but this is what I'm going to say. And sometimes in order to win my Sunday school class, to win them to myself, not to God. I let them do whatever they want to do. For example, if they are teenagers and they want to date, they want to dance, they want, you know, I, I say it's nothing wrong. Yes, you can drink, you can dance. As long as you know your limit, it's okay. Especially if we are two servants in the same class and one is, uh, strict so i want to be i am one who actually loving and caring and allowing the children to do whatever they want to do but actually yes they will love me and they will praise me but they will lose their eternal life if they did not repent that is second type third type we read it in habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 4 Therefore, the law is powerless. There is law, 
but is powerless. The justice never goes forth. Why? For the wicked surround the righteous. So the righteous are afraid to say what's right. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. When the wicked surround the righteous, then the righteous will be afraid to say the truth. That's why perverse judgment will proceed. Justice never goes forth, the law is powerless. Many times, for example, if I believe in something, it is right according to the teaching of the scripture. But I know if I am going to say it to my Sunday school class, they go and attack me on the social media, and they will actually make a big scene about me on the social media. Although what I'm saying is the right thing. But in order to avoid this, so I will perverse the the judgment. I will not say the truth because I am afraid. And now the wicked are surrounding the, the righteous. Everywhere actually we are surrounded by wickedness. I never seen this except in the last maybe 10 years. Before this, yes, there was even in the world, but not to the extent that we are seeing right now. And sometimes because of this pressure, the fear of being attacked, make many righteous people are silent. They don't speak. They are afraid. They don't want to be attacked uh, by others. They attacked St. Athanasius, and five times he went to exile. And he told him, the whole world is against you. But he responded and said, and I am against the world. That's why we call him contramondum, against the world. Number four, Matthew 15 and verse 14. The Lord said, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. In the beginning, I told you the importance of studying the books of the scripture one by one. To be well versed in the scripture, how can you teach without knowing the truth? Unfortunately, some of us, we don't have enough knowledge, enough information. And we are interested to teach. That's why when they ask us any question, I answer from my experience. I answer from my knowledge without saying the truth. So here the Lord said, if I am ignorant and I don't know the truth, and maybe I'm answering sincerely, but I'm asking sincerely from my experience, not knowing what's right and what's wrong. I don't have this discernment. I answer based how I was raised up. Then the Lord said, these people are blind. They should not be teachers. Because if a blind is leading a blind, both of them will fall into a ditch. Here, maybe the servant is very sincere, but because of the ignorance, he leads the people in the wrong way. That's why we need to build up ourselves and to grow on knowledge day after day. We have a huge responsibility 
you are teaching the next generations the word of God. It's a huge responsibility. So we need to be ready to this responsibility. Do you spend the time reading for Sunday school class and preparing the lesson? How you prepare it? I know, unfortunately, some servants on Sunday morning go on the website and just read the lesson and go and say it. This is not enough. This is not enough. You need actually to spend a whole week in preparing yourself for the lesson. From now, you should start preparing yourself for next week to read it and to read about it and to go find references and to see what are the questions that you are expecting to get from the students and to be ready to answer these questions so that you offer a meal that satisfies the needs of the people. Number five, in Matthew chapter four, verse uh, seven, Satan, when he tempted the Lord, he used a verse from the scripture. He told him, if in verse six, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. The Lord responded and he told him, it is written also, it's written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What does it mean it is written again? Sometimes I have a quote from St. Cyril and I say, see, St. Cyril again is the original sin. And I take this quote outside the context and I read just two or three lines and say, St. Cyril again is the original sin. St. Athanasius is against punishment. And the same actually applies from the scripture. The Protestant, when they speak about salvation, and they tell you, believe and you will be saved. They say, what you need to be saved? Just faith. And there is another verse I can tell them, it is written again, it is written also, Faith without works is dead. St. James said, works for faith is like the spirit for the body. So if there is no work as if there is no spirit. So the faith is dead. That's why when you, you study, if you want to speak about one of these subjects that debatable or people, they challenge it. You need to be ready when I speak about original sin, about economy of salvation, don't get one quote and use it to make a doctrine about it. You need actually to study and read different quotes and what is written about this in the scripture, in all the verses, so that your teaching will be sound. Number six, Second Corinthians chapter three and verse six. St. Paul said, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, but for the letter kills, but the spirit gives the life. I remember here in Atlanta, I gave a sermon about this chapter, about the old covenant and the new covenant, and I explained the seven differences. And I remember in this uh, verse, 
chapter 6, I said this verse is commonly misinterpreted by the people. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. They say, don't take the word of the scripture literally. That's what it means. Because the literal interpretation will kill you. But take the spiritual interpretation. And I explained, this is not the meaning of the verse. St. Paul was speaking about Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant, there was no grace. As we read in John chapter 1, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth by the Lord Jesus Christ. So the word of God, although the word of God is powerful, but for them was just letters on tablets. That's why God gave them the commandment on two tablets of stone. Why two tablets of stone? As St. Paul explained, that's their heart. They have hearts of stone. In the new covenant, God told them, I will remove the heart of stone and give you heart of flesh. That's the work of the Spirit. That's the work of the grace. So when he said, letter kills, because the commandment in the Old Testament told me, if you don't do this, you will die. So I have the commandment. I cannot do it because my heart is hardened. Then I am dead. But in the new covenant, the same commandments did not change, but the grace changed my heart. And since the grace changed my heart, I have heart of flesh, then the word of God gives me life. The spirit lives. Many times we, in the same way, teach words without the power of the spirit. For example, if a person doing drugs. I tell him, this is wrong. You need to quit. Go rehab center. Get treated. Ask for professional help. All these are beautiful. But without the Spirit of God, as if letters on hardened heart, at the end, it will not help me. There is family problem, or two students have problem with each other, conflict with each other. No, no, you need to reconcile. But I did not teach them to repent and to ask the grace of God to, to transform their hearts, to be forgiving to each other and to reconcile to each other. So in this way, actually, sometimes we teach letters without the grace of God. Mar Isaac of Syria said, if you believe that there is repentance without prayer, you are deceived. Repentance means quitting sins. But you need the grace of God. How? Through prayer. For example, did you go and do visitation. You ask your students, did you take communion? No, I did not take communion for two months. No, next Sunday, I want you to come take communion. Okay, I will. So he comes and take communion. But he doesn't know anything about being in communion with God. So that is teaching the letters, not the spirit. Okay. When was the last time did you confess? Maybe six months ago. No, no, you need to take appointment with the Buna. And I take appointment with the Buna, I talk with him, but he never learned about repentance. And what's the repentance? Do, do, do you read the Bible? No. 
here is a, a Bible, I want you to read one chapter. But you don't teach them how to apply the Word of God in their life. That's what we say, you teach them letters, but not the Spirit. Fasting, you need to fast. Okay, I will fast. But fasting for them would be changing food by food. As I said, in our teaching, we need to emphasize the spirituality. Attending the divine liturgy, it's not just being there physically, but spiritually. Spirituality of the divine liturgy, how to benefit from the divine liturgy, etc. Number seven, Act 18, 26. There was a man from Alexandria. He's Jewish, but he was born in Alexandria. And that is the only Egyptian mentioned in the New Testament. So if they asked you who is the only Egyptian mentioned in the New Testament, it is Apollos. Yes, he's Jewish, like we are Egyptian, but some of us are born here in America. So they are American by birth. So he is Alexandrian by birth, Apollos. So Apollos knew about the Old Covenant as a Jewish person and knew about John the Baptist. Uh, you read in verse 24, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, almighty in the scripture, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in his spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. That's the end. Baptism of John. So, Akella and Briskella, when they heard about him, I like this verse in 26, they took him aside and explained to him the way of the Lord more accurately. They taught him about the Messiah, about Jesus, etc. So sometimes we like Apollos, we have the zeal, but we don't have the whole knowledge. We preach and we teach with zeal, but we don't know the way of the Lord accurately or more accurately. Or sometimes when we teach others, we don't give them the whole meal. As I said a few minutes ago about those who are teaching, spirituality and uh, virtues uh, without speaking at all about sacraments. So as if you can become spiritual without the grace of the Holy Spirit. That is teaching that's not accurate. Although you have a zeal, but teaching not accurate. When Akela and Briskella heard him, said, no, no, he's a good candidate, but we need to teach him the way of the Lord more accurately. Number 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. St. Paul says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Am I against using persuasive words? No, I'm not against this. But I'm against you rely mainly or only 
on the persuasive words of the human wisdom. You prepare a very powerful lesson and you have quotes from here and, and there and stories and so it's very powerful. But you never prayed before preparing the lesson. You did not pray before teaching and asking the Holy Spirit to speak on your mouth. So here you are relying on what? On the persuasive words of human wisdom. Did St. Paul use the persuasive word of human wisdom? Definitely. The why he is saying my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Because this was not his main foundation in preaching. The main foundation is the demonstration of the Spirit and power, the grace of God. He was supporting this by getting on his knees, praying, asking God to support his ministry. So if you are not praying for your class, if you are not praying for the lesson, if you are not praying before preparing the lesson, if all what you care about, how you do a wonderful presentation, media or whatever to make it attractive to the, to the children, but with no prayer, as if, as St. Paul said, my words and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the administration of spirit and of power. Number nine, 1 Corinthians also chapter three, verse two. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Some people actually, they teach all the time milk. Can you imagine if you feed your children milk? They are 10 years old, 15 years old, and all what you give them is just milk. Do you think they will be healthy? No. In a spiritual life, many times we try to avoid the solid food. And sometimes we respond to the youth. They come and tell us, Abuna or Sayyidna or Sunday school servant, we don't want to, to listen about all these doctrines and theological lessons and no, no, no. Just kalamuna, how to have a goal in your life, how to choose your partner, how ambition, uh, how to have self-confidence. All, all these social topics that actually address our needs and our practical life. This milk. If you study the letters of St. Paul, all the letters, first chapters are theological foundation. Then he gives the application. Romans, for example, 11 chapters from the 16 chapter theology about justification. Then from chapter 12, he starts to explain, uh, give application. Because application should be based on theological foundation. Even in, in medicine, the way we, we learn at medicine in Egypt, I don't know how they teach here, but for four years, it was just theory, theoretical. We did not see a patient. Four years, four or five, five years, <laughs> five years. We did not see a patient. Anatomy, physiology, pathology, bacteriology, pharmacology. And then last two years, we started to see patient and to take application. Okay. Sometimes the youth, especially the youth, 
they don't want to listen to any solid food, then you will not have healthy youth. We need here as a servant to know the level of our children and then we start teaching them according to their level and then we grow up with them. You know when a person comes from a different country and he starts ESL, English as second language. They do evaluation, assessment film. And after this, you like enter level two, level three, start from here. But they don't put him in level two or three, the end of his life. They actually develop him. That's what we should do. The Lord said in Luke, blessed is the servant who give the food in due time or due season. Maybe I'm giving the right food, but not in the right time. So I'm leaving them starving. Or actually, I'm stuffing them and they cannot understand or comprehend. Both are wrong. So how to give them the right food in the right time? The right food and the right time. Blessed is the servant. Number 10, John 7, 18. The Lord said, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. When we speak, do we care about our own glory or the glory of God? What's our focus? If I am seeking my own glory, then I'm speaking from myself. I'm not speaking from God. I'm not saying the word of God. If at the end of the lesson, how they feel about the lesson, how do they like it? And I want to be praised because of the lesson that I gave, then I'm seeking my own glory. But our focus should be how to glorify God, not to glorify ourselves. Number 11, Second uh, Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. That is the wrong teaching, the the false teaching, teaching which is against the doctrine of God. That's why he said about them denying the Lord himself. Sometimes we teach wrong or false, falsehood. For example, people who are justifying abortion, that's falsehood. Because the Bible is very clear in this commandment, thou shalt not murder. Or people who are justifying euthanasia, merciful killing. That's falsehood. We need actually to teach the word of God, the truth, not what I see is right. Not what I see is right. 
in First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, sometimes we value the science more than the word of God. Pope said, if science contradicts with the word of God, then the science need to be developed, because science develops every day. Maybe 600 years ago, they don't see that the earth is like a sphere. So many people stumbled with the verse in Isaiah chapter 40, he who sits on the sphere of the earth. Then when they discovered later on that the earth is sphere, then the word of God was right. But people contradicted Isaiah 40 before this discovery and said the Bible is not accurate. So St. Paul in uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, يقول حاجة حلوة من verse 20 يقول guard what was committed to your trust avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge falsely called this is not knowledge it's falsely called knowledge so we need to be careful sometimes we are deceived by falsely called the knowledge. As they said in the sermon this morning, some people, they defend marijuana. No, there are benefits. And they will bring to you some researches from respected uh, universities supporting, yes, these researches are paid in order actually to defend the legalization of marijuana. So be careful, lest you be deceived by what is falsely called knowledge. I like this, falsely called knowledge. Not every knowledge is knowledge. Last point, the 12th point. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. Having the form of godliness by denying its power, and from such people turn away. So sometimes we have the form of godliness, or some school servants, or deacons, or clergy. We have the form of godliness, but denying its power because we are not living what we are teaching. We are not like a lamp shining on the lampstand. So just a form, fake, not true. If you have a form of something, then it's just fake. So here, in order not to be fake, some school servant. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, in the Sermon on the Mountain, the Lord said, But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called the great in the kingdom of heaven. We need to teach and to do. Whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We need to examine ourselves to see what kind of teaching we are giving, because the main responsibility of us is teachers. We are teachers, we are teaching, teaching the next generation.
those whom are teaching today will be the leaders of the church. So it's a huge responsibility to give them the right food and the right time. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.